Welcome to Leo Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. My name is Jenna Fox, and I'm an educator, writer, tarot reader, Reiki master, and queer mystical mama. What I'm not is an expert. So if you're a seeker, if you have a curious mind, and if you're interested in esoteric topics, then this is the podcast for you, and I'm so excited to have you on the journey. So let's get started, shall we? Before I started this podcast, I thought to myself, does the world really need another tarot podcast? I mean, I listen to several already and find them to be immensely helpful and validating. So what could I possibly have to offer? But as I was thinking about that, it struck me that as someone who considers myself a writer first and foremost, that I believe in the power of stories and that each individual has a unique contribution to the world with their stories. And so I thought, well, I guess if I believe that about writing, then why not about podcasting as well? Could my journey through and with tarot be of help to somebody? Perhaps, and so that's what propelled me through the uncertainty to just go ahead and begin this journey. So before we get to an actual discussion about tarot, I think it's important for me to back up and give you some insight into my spiritual and religious upbringing. So I was raised a conservative Christian, and that's not what we would call ourselves, to be sure. Um, We were just Christian, and it was just how it was we kind of had this belief in our house that that was you know the dominant or should be um, the dominant experience in america and one of the clear messages that i got growing up in church and at home to a lesser extent was that really the bible was warning us against all things related to divination or magic or anything within the realm of sorcery or witchcraft. I mean, I remember verses like the one in Leviticus that says, a man or a woman who is a medium or spiritist among you must be put to death. And another verse that talks about anybody who practices divination or sorcery or interprets omens, engages in witchcraft and or anybody who casts spells or contacts the dead, any of those people um, are, quote, detestable to the Lord. So that was the the clear message growing up, was that anything that fell into the realm of um, divination or sorcery or magic was taboo and should be avoided at all costs. But of course, if you put any sort of taboo on anything, right, as a young person, I was very curious about these topics, um, but kept them at a pretty academic arm's length, only reading about them in books and sort of being shocked in conversation with friends when they would talk about things like uh, Ouija boards or, you know, ghost stories. I was both intrigued and fascinated and also repulsed because, you know, I was concerned about my soul salvation. So growing up um, conservative Christian, one of the things that I had um, incredible access to was stories. And when I was in high school, I actually was um, a complete nerd, an English nerd to be exact. So instead of taking 
any elective classes um, that my high school offered, I instead focused on English. So I actually graduated with six years of English, the equivalent of six years of English, in my four years in high school. And part of that was because I had a great relationship with one of my um, mentor teachers, Dan Peters, who was actually in charge of running the Blue Begonia Press, um, which is a poetry and small publishing press in Selah, Washington. So in the English classes, you know, I was, I was drawn to stories. And one of the concepts that I came across taught to me in these English classes was the idea of archetypes. Now, the actual definition of an archetype is a very typical example of a certain person or thing and or a reoccurring symbol or motif in literature, art, and mythology. So some of the archetypes that I would come across in these stories were, you know, the hero, right? And it was influenced a lot by Joseph Campbell's idea of the hero's journey, which is something that I will be talking about in a later episode about how that relates to the fool's journey in tarot. But so Joseph Campbell had done a bunch of research on different stories across the world um, in different places and times, so contemporary to ancient myths, and found that there were archetypes that existed in these stories. So we have, you know, if you think to some of your favorite books or your favorite movies, so let's say, for example, one that's pretty common is like Harry Potter, right? So you have the young, um, kind of nerdy and downtrodden um, Harry at the beginning of this story, who then becomes the hero by the end of the series. Sorry if that is a spoiler for you all. Um, so archetypes were these these symbols, and they were very one-dimensional. So in fairy tales, you know, there's the evil queen, and then there's um, the fairy godmother, and there is, um, you know, the villain, and there's usually like the wicked stepmother. I'm thinking of all the Disney stories that I grew up loving. And there's the prince charming, right? You see where I'm going with this. And so what I really loved was it was a way to look at stories and to be able to parcel out the different characters in each story. Archetypes were how to do that. And so I went on to school and I got my um, Bachelor of Arts in English Literature and continued to focus on clearly on stories, right? Most people go to school um, and learn how to read by like second or third grade. And here I am going to college for, you know, reading books and poems and really just diving into some of this literature. But when I but when I graduated from college, I realized I didn't really want to be an English teacher. And so I went back to school and I got my master's in community counseling with a specific focus on um, post-secondary counseling, so higher ed. And one of the things that I came across in counseling was Carl Jung. And if you're not familiar, familiar with Carl Jung. He was a Swiss psychiatrist and he took this concept of archetypes a little bit one step further than what I had experienced with my literature classes and some of the work of Joseph Campbell. 
And so Carl Jung had this idea that these archetypes are simply pieces or fragments of a human psyche. And I really loved this concept because for the first time it started to make sense why when I would get angry, I would just want to shout off with their heads to all the people around me, a la the Queen of Hearts in Snow White. And have we ever stopped to think about how she's the Queen of Hearts, but her heart is so shriveled up and cold? At any rate, I started to see how this idea of being able to identify some of the different archetypes that exist within my own self could be helpful in identifying some of the archetypes that live or exist within counseling clients' selves. And so to be able to take a more neutral perspective and have an arm's distance length from some of our, quote, personality traits or ways um, that we interact in our, our being in the world. And so in... Um, in graduate school, I read Carl Jung's Memories, Dreams, and Reflections, where he talked a lot about this, the collective unconscious and individuals and the archetypes that exist within. And so I really gravitated toward that idea, and I loved that it could help conceptualize me as a person. It really just seemed to fit that, yes, I have these different aspects of my personality that come out and they can be seen in literature and they can be explained through some of these archetypes. Well, so at the same time, I decided to do a little bit more of exploration into archetypes. And I came across a more of a contemporary than Carl Jung in the energy healer, Carolyn Miss. And I started reading her book, Anatomy of the Spirit, which was really powerful um, and talks a lot about like chakra systems and trying to conceptualize it with um, both Judaism and Christianity, as well as the Hindu origins with the chakra systems. But one of the books that she wrote, um, Sacred Contracts, really dove into this idea of archetypes, and I loved it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to explore this further. And I read the book. And for the first time, and this is where it gets into my journey toward tarot, is that I bought an archetype deck. And I was able to justify it to my conservative Christian upbringing self that even though I had left most of that behind, um, it still, you know, it resided inside me a little bit of like, <gasps> it caught, being caught in my throat of like, oh, what am I doing? So this archetype deck is a deck of 78 cards and it has an image on each card with both the light attributes and the shadow attributes. And Carolyn Miss's system of um, looking at archetypes is that she says that we have um, a dominant 12. Um, and so each individual that we meet has a unique combination, but that we all have four types in common. So we have a child, and now there's different versions of the child. So there's like divine child or orphan um, or magical child or eternal child or nature child. So there's different um, children archetypes that live inside of us. 
Then there is the prostitute. And when I first read that, I was like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> There's no way. Like, that is such a seemingly dark um, archetype. I don't think that I can um, claim that. But then as I was reading more about these archetypes, it turns out that the energy is actually neutral. It is the, there are light attributes and shadow attributes. And really a lot of that goes into in what way are we using that energy in the world and are we doing it consciously with autonomy? So if we think about that um, prostitute archetype, in so many ways in our life, and it doesn't have to be just related to sex, but in what ways are we selling ourselves and in exchange for something like money or power or prestige or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it could be as concrete as actual sex work, which if done with autonomy and a lot of, you know, understanding of what's happening and actual exchange of goods that's going on, that could be considered the light aspect of the prostitute archetype. Or think about my job. If I come to my job and I know that I'm going to be sacrificing a certain amount of free time, but the payoff is, you know, the financial stability or the creative freedom or the prestige. I mean, if we're doing all of these things consciously, then that can be considered the light attribute. But if I'm staying in a job that's coercive or just because of the money and it's really starting to kind of selling, you know, we sometimes in, in business people say things like, you know, I've sold my soul to the devil. Well, that can be that prostitute archetype kind of gone awry. So she highlights the child, the prostitute, the victim, and the saboteur. So um, in what ways do we sabotage um, ourselves or others? So those are the core four. And then what I did and how I justified these cards is that they were really like flashcards to me. So I, I handled them and I looked through them and I really picked out the eight that spoke the most to me. And not just because of um, their light attributes. Actually, I found myself gravitating toward many of them because of their shadow attributes. So the queen archetype, which often comes out when I am feeling um, out of control or, you know, it comes out in this sort of controlling, domineering, sometimes cold um, to my friends and family. So then there's like the rebel, um, the seeker, the student, the mentor, there's the storyteller, and then there is um, my, my child would be um, the orphan. And I didn't list all eight, but they're, they're not coming to me. Um, so I will have to get back to that when they, they pop back into my mind. But those were the ones that um, really stuck, stuck with me. Oh, and the hermit. Um, and so one thing about the hermit, which is actually a card that happens to come into the tarot deck, is, um, which I will be talking about in the next episode, the hermit is something that can be really wise and really thoughtful in a way for me to connect with my introverted nature and to go and recharge. And yet the shadow aspect can be 
isolation and you know falling into depression and any of that time that I'm using my sort of introverted nature to do some avoidance of tasks or things or people. So the archetype cards wasn't something that I used as any sort of divination tool, um, but I got so excited for it that I made my husband, I roped him into doing it and finding out his archetypes. And then of course, I was excitedly sharing with my best friend and got her roped into doing it and sort of really starting to look and see what are some of the archetypes that I have and what are some of the archetypes that people around, oh, when I remembered my other one was um, trickster shapeshifter where I often sometimes feel like a chameleon in different situations. So I think I listed them all. I knew it would come to me, that ethereal little um, trickster energy that kind of just is sometimes elusive. And so I got into this where I would shuffle the deck and I would look at them and I never did any tarot type spreads with them, but I would often set all of the cards out, look at the images, look at some of the secondary things where I realized that they weren't maybe part of my absolute core, but they definitely showed up at different times. So, you know, there's, I feel like the storyteller is part of my, um, is my core, but you know, the gossip is another sort of iteration of that. So times where I feel like I am spending time talking to people and I'm like, oh, this just, this isn't like, this isn't just the energy that I want to kind of be embracing and maybe going down, you know, a different route. So that is really how I became um, interested in tarot was through, was through archetypes. And I still have my archetype deck. It sits on my desk and I look at it and I've been kind of contemplating the idea of maybe um, introducing it into some of my tarot spreads now that I know what tarot is and I feel really confident in my um, love of tarot as a tool for personal growth, both in my life and in the life of my friends and family and clients who come um, to see me. So that's where I that's where I began and in future episodes I will be exploring you know a little bit more and how the um, like the hero's journey and the fool's journey and how archetypes are really related to these tarot cards hey friends thanks for listening to Leah rising a tarot and creative intuition podcast as of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived, so feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting, but much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years, so know that there isn't a tarot um Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.